0: Thank you for tuning in this evening to this message I've titled, Mis- Misunderstanding the Master, Rejoice in Persecution. I invite you to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're looking at verses 1 through 12. Matthew 5, 1 through 12. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Located on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, the Mount of the Beatitudes is the undisputed site Of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. In this photo, you can see the hill which rises from the shore of the sea. As we would expect, its location is the most perfect spot in all the surrounding Galilee region, purposely selected by the Lord to preach His first and most complete sermon. Rising above the Sea of Galilee, the Mount not only provided a beautiful view of the surrounding area, but also a pulpit in nature where Jesus' words could be easily heard by such a large crowd. Some biblical scholars have described the sermon as the New Testament equivalent of the Ten Commandments, which were given to Moses and the children of Israel at Mount Sinai. So, whereas the law in the Old Covenant is connected with Mount Sinai, grace and the New Covenant is connected with the Mount of Beatitudes. In the sermon, the Lord presents a clear understanding of the Old Testament teachings— answering the forthcoming charges by the Jewish religious leaders of disrespecting the law with the proclamation in Matthew 5 17 where Jesus said do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets I did not come to destroy but to fulfill you know even though it was the Lord's intention to bring understanding to the law beginning with this sermon many of his teachings were confusing and misunderstood by his hearers primarily because his teachings were so radically different from those of the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees even for us today reading the words of Christ almost 2,000 years after they were written still sometimes leaves us perplexed and somewhat confused however we have a distinct advantage Over the original hearers of Christ sermon for we now have the complete Bible or the complete canon of scripture if you will available to us for clarification and for comparison for a deeper more complete understanding of the word of God and of course we have the Holy Spirit living within us, who gives us understanding and application of the Word of God in our life. So our focal passage this evening is the last of a series of eight phrases we call the Beatitudes. Now the title comes from the Greek word makarios, which is translated blessed, blessed or happy, and refers to a spiritual joy and satisfaction that lasts regardless of conditions, carrying one through pain and sorrow, and loss, and grief. So here the Lord begins to lay out for his followers the foundational truths of the gospel of the kingdom he came to proclaim. Summarizing the first seven beatitudes, Jesus is saying, my blessings are with you when you are poor in spirit, when you mourn, when you're meek, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, when you're merciful, when you're pure in heart and when you are peacemakers then the lord said blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven now if we can imagine those who had gathered around to hear this sermon we can imagine them looking around at one another and saying "Now, what what did he just say did he say persecuted it was so much different than the first seven As noted by Dr. John MacArthur in his New Testament commentary on Matthew, of all the Beatitudes, this last one seems the most contrary to human thinking and experience, thereby the one most perplexing and most likely to be misunderstood. The Lord climaxes his opening thrust in the sermon with this great and sobering truth. Those who faithfully live according to the first seven Beatitudes are guaranteed at some point to experience the eighth. That is, those who live righteously will inevitably be persecuted for their righteousness. Realizing that this was the most difficult of all the Beatitudes to understand and comprehend, the Lord repeated it. And then expanded on it, again different from the first seven. Verse 11, he said, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. For my sake, verse 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Notice with me here that blessed is mentioned twice, but only one characteristic, that is, the persecuted, is given, although it's mentioned three times, and there's only one result, that is, the promise of the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus seems to be saying here that double blessings are in store for those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. With this in mind, we see, first of all, persecution examined. Now, to be persecuted is to endure suffering, to be mocked, ridiculed, criticized, ostracized, and in the most extreme cases, to be martyred. As you may know, Jesus preached this sermon at the beginning of his three-and-a-half-year earthly ministry. He knew that once he took a a public stand against the religious establishment and confronted its leaders with their hypocrisy, that the persecution would begin in earnest, He knew that the persecution would eventually escalate to a point that would culminate with his own crucifixion. And he knew that those who faithfully followed him would also come under severe persecution and for some, martyrdom. So for the Lord's disciples, they needed to know the truth about persecution and to hear from him these words of encouragement. So in verse 11, Jesus identifies for us and for his disciples Three types of persecution that they were likely to face if they lived righteously. First of all, he said, you will be reviled. He used the word reviled. It means to be harshly criticized in an abusive or angrily insulting manner, to be mocked. You know, this is probably the most frequent form of persecution that Christians today in the United States face. It's becoming more and more common and as our nation regresses more towards moral decay and depravity this type of persecution will increase in the and, and it will edge closer to the outright physical attacks of the persecution next is a word that refers specifically to the attacks that result in the physical harm dioko is the word in the greek it has the basic meaning of chasing or pursuing with the intent to inflict physical harm or death most of you are familiar with the organization Voice of the Martyrs. And they estimate that today in the world, over 340 million Christians are being persecuted for their faith. 340 million. That's one in eight believers worldwide. If you look into the organization the Voice of the Martyrs and they print a magazine and they're always talking about the persecution that's going on, especially in the Muslim countries today, Christians being beheaded, being uh, suffering all kind of severe persecution, many of them dying as martyrs. Even though physical persecution is rare in this country today, but we see that it's becoming more and more common. Uh, the shooting in the Baptist church in Texas, shooting in Jewish synagogues throughout the United States, becoming more and more common. But the recent political and social shifts are going to make it much more common as Christians are going to be outrightly attacked for their faith in Christ, their righteousness. Third type of persecution mentioned by the Lord here is to have all manner of evil spoken against you. Now this is referring to malicious slander and abusive words spoken behind one's back. In Matthew 11 and verse 19 Jesus' critics said of him, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, if they said that about the sinless Son of God, we shouldn't be surprised at all by what they say about us if we live righteous lives. Next we see in our text, persecution expected. As I mentioned earlier, those who faithfully live according to the first seven beatitudes should expect to eventually be persecuted for their faith. I want to give you three reasons why the righteous, why we should expect to be persecuted. Let me stop right there just a moment. Just in case you don't understand the word righteous. I'm not saying that we're perfect. I'm not saying that we're without sin. We know that's not true. But righteous as used towards Uh, to describe believers it means right in God's sight right in God's sight and the only way we know that we're right in God's sight is through our faith in Jesus Christ and commitment to serve him so that's what I mean by the word righteous so persecution should be expected three reasons why first of all because we are not of this world as believers even though we are in the world the Bible says we are not to be of the world Romans 12, 2, Paul wrote, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I, I think of the old hymn which says, This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. This is not our home. We're just sojourners here. And we are not of this world. We're therefore separated from the behavior of the world. And as a result, the world reacts against us. Look at John Chapter 15, in John 15, beginning with verse 18, Jesus said, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you, A servant is not greater than his master." If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. The Lord said, if you live a righteous life, if you commit yourself to following me and serving me in a wicked, evil world, you should expect to be persecuted. The second reason we should expect to be persecuted is because we strip away the world's cloak of sin by our righteousness. When we live and demonstrate a life of righteousness, refusing to compromise our convictions and living pure and godly lives, the sins of the ungodly are exposed. That is, they're brought into the light. And we know that the Bible says sin prefers to remain in darkness. So when sin is brought to light, then persecution will ensue. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. When we as believers reflect the light of Christ in our lives, the sins of others will, will become illuminated in contrast and they will lash out with persecutions and insults and cursing. Well, the third reason that we as the righteous should expect persecution is because the world does not know God or his son, Jesus Christ. The ungodly of this world won't know God except themselves and their own imagination. Just think about that. They, they don't serve God. They don't recognize God as being the creator sovereign over all creation really they're their own god they serve themselves they want to fulfill their own selfish desires not what god desires for them on the other hand the righteous dedicates his life to god and to his worship and to his service because the ungodly do not know god or his son jesus christ and they vehemently oppose those who represent god and his righteous law and think about what Jesus said about the law when he was asked what is the greatest commandment his reply was love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself and he says upon all these two rest all the law and the prophets that's the law according to, to the Lord When we love God first and we love our neighbor as ourself Jesus said in John 12 uh, 15 in verse 21 But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me. And in John 16, 3, he said this, And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. So we've seen persecution examined, persecution expected. Last we'll see persecution exalted. Matthew 5, 12, Jesus said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. Now, here's the difficult part. The words of Christ concerning persecution most frequently misunderstood. You know, the obvious question to ask here is, how is that possible? How is it possible to rejoice in the midst of persecution? It appears to be an oxymoron to join persecution and rejoicing together in the same sentence. They just don't seem to fit. You know, it is impossible, but only possible through God's amazing, abundant grace. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, you may remember that Paul was saying that he prayed to the Lord three times to remove the thorn in the flesh. Then it said, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, that's the key, isn't it? As we depend on the grace of God, realizing that we have no strength within ourselves, The only strength we have is from God. And that when we trust in him, he will be the strength that we need through us. He will provide that. So enabled by God's grace, we come to understand that first of all, the reward will far exceed the suffering. The reward will far exceed the suffering. In Romans chapter 8. In verse 18, Paul wrote these words. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. You know, the reward for the righteous who are suffering persecution has both a present and a future aspect. In the present, there's a, there's a special honor given to those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. In Acts chapter 5 in verse 41 And in this context, Peter and the other disciples, we see that they were beaten for preaching the gospel. And when they were were released, they said this. Peter said, they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Worthy to suffer shame for his name. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 4.14, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, listen to this. Blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. Jesus Christ is glorified when we suffer persecution in his name. Therefore, we should glory over that. Not a kind of glory that brings glory away from God, but that realizing how blessed we are for having the privilege to suffer for him. Now concerning the future aspect, Jesus said, great is your reward in heaven. You know, that's the hope of all of us. and The assurance that we have in the word, if we are truly followers of Christ, if we've really been born again, trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that when this life is over, that we're going to be in heaven, we're going to be with him for all eternity. In Revelation 7, we get a glimpse of those who were martyred for their faith in Christ. And they are says they are before the throne of God, serving him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell with them, among them. They shall neither hunger anymore, nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat, for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The reward in heaven for those who have been persecuted for the name of Christ. Secondly, we can rejoice and be exceedingly glad when we're persecuted for Christ's name because... Through it, we share in Christ's sufferings. We know that Christ was rejected by men because he lived and proclaimed the righteousness and the the salvation of God. Therefore, when we suffer for following Christ, for living and proclaiming the, the righteousness and salvation of God, then we are suffering for the same reason that Christ suffered. That is, we are sharing in the very sufferings of Christ himself. In persecution and suffering we become identified with Christ, associated with him in the deepest deepest devotion that is possible, the very sacrifice of ourselves for the cause of God and his glorious salvation. No greater privilege could be given to a person than to become so devoted to God that we would join Christ in the sacrifice of himself to God. Paul wrote in Romans 5, verses 3 and 4, we glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope i close with this the apostle peter probably of all the original 12 disciples he understood this link between persecution and rejoicing like none of the other disciples and is evidenced by the words that he wrote in first peter chapter four Beginning with verse 12, he said, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And our reward is the kingdom of heaven. Only the Lord knows what the future holds. As I pointed out earlier, this world is getting wicked, more wicked by the day. And the persecution against believers, even though it has been more common in foreign countries, is beginning to be common here in the United States. And before the Lord comes back, I believe it's going to get even worse. We as the righteous, as those who are right in God's sight through our faith in Jesus, we need to be prepared for persecution. You know, one thing persecution is going to do in these last days, it's going to weed out those who aren't true believers. And so only those who are true to the Lord and realize what an honor it is to suffer shame and persecution for his name will be left. The true church will be revealed. May God give us the strength and the courage to depend on him in the face of the persecution that is sure to come. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for the fact that you want us to know all about what it means to be one of your followers, one of your children, And you want us to know, Lord, that if we are standing up for you and serving you and letting others see you in us, living righteous lives before a dark world, that we will suffer persecution. Lord, we pray right now for the millions who are suffering severe persecution all over this world just because they believe in you. And God, we pray that you'll continue to be their strength, Lord. And and may we, when that persecution comes, may we be as strong and depend on you for the strength to endure. And to not bring shame on your name, Lord, but bring glory to it as we stand. So we thank you, Lord. We love you, and we thank you for the blessing and the privilege of being called yours